0: Welcome to It's a Good Life Podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the second in our series on the recession. Yippee! However, this should be pretty helpful stuff. Today we're going to talk about how to recession-proof your money. Take care of your money. we got to do that. So I'm going to talk about three things. First of all, I'm going to talk about there's a hole in the bucket, and that your money is the water going out the hole in the bucket right now. I'm going to talk about three tips to win in recessionary times. And then the third thing is a little unusual for an episode like this is we're going to talk to my guy. We're going to talk to my guy. I'm going to introduce you to that guy, my money guy. And his name is Ben Stewart, and I'm going to introduce you to him so he can help you with some perspective he's helped me with for the last 20 years. So let's talk about it. There's a hole in the bucket. You know, I recently shared an episode called The Coming Recession. If you haven't listened to it, it's season two, episode 43. And in it, I talk about how inflation is like the worst casino you've ever been to. And what I mean that is casinos typically have a three to a three and a half percent favor. The house has three to three and a half percent odds on you. So when you're playing a slot machine, for example. If you play a slot machine long enough, even though you may win and may win and ding, 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 if you play long enough, the casino will take 100% of your money because it has a 3% chance of beating you. And so it's like, imagine a, a bucket of water with a 3% hole in the circumference of the bottom. The problem we have right now is that we have an 8.5% hole. It's two to two and a half times the size of the advantage a casino has. And you know all those big buildings in Vegas. Huh? They, they're making a lot of money. They're taking a lot of money in order to uh, keep those buildings afloat. Inflation is the worst casino you've ever been to. And here's an example of it. Imagine you had $10 million in the bank. Let's just, just just think about that for a second, okay? How great would that be? So let's say a year ago you had $10 million in the bank. Well, at 8.5% inflation, it means that you lost $850,000 of the value of that money in just one year, which means the effective balance in regards to purchasing power in your bank is now 9150000 Now, let's say, and I'm not saying that there's going to be another two years in a row of 8.5%, but we are going to have some inflation for sure, but let's say it was 8.5%. Your 9150000 gets reduced by 770000 and you are now left with $8.3 million. That means the hole in the bucket. You have $10 million in the bank. Two years later, you've lost $1,627,000 by stuffing it in your mattress or having it in a bank. And that's why we can't safety our way to success during a recession. We can't safety our way, our peace of mind with just go, I'm going to do the safest thing so I don't lose it. The problem is if you hold on to it, you will lose it. And so we have to do something with the money. There's a hole in the bucket and the hole is called inflation. And it is the single greatest threat to wealth. It is the single greatest threat to economic security. And so just having cash. And I'm married to somebody. Who, my bride, I'll be candid with you, she's an extremely intelligent, brilliant woman. The only thing she really resonates is how much money we have in the bank, how much we have in stocks. She views the stock market kind of like, uh, well, it could be here today and gone to mother. Uh, real estate, she understands and she feels comfortable about her own home. But when we own buildings that are given 8% cap rates and doing this, and she's just not that interested. And I don't think that's too untypical in a lot of ways. Uh, however, I will say this, whatever your level of financial acuity is, you have to get in the game and understand that inflation means the money you have, the cash in your wallet, the cash in your bank, in a safe deposit box, wherever the heck you have it, is worth less every year that goes by. A great example of this. Now, the year 2000 is not ancient history. A hundred bucks in 2000 has $61 worth of purchasing power today. And by the way, this is where people talk about oh, I should just put my money in gold. I encourage you to look up a Warren Buffett video on YouTube where he talks about 10,000 bucks invested in a index fund uh, in the 1940s and how that today would be worth $51 million with no change in anything. Just buy the index fund, forget you own it, and in whatever it was, 70-some years, it was worth $51 million. He also talks about the same amount of gold. If you bought $10,000 worth of gold in the 1940s, 300 ounces today we be worth 400 grand so people do that to be safe to be safe to be safe right now and i'm going to say this out loud people are trying to use cryptocurrency as a way to hedge against inflation so i'm afraid to lose an eight percent so i bought cryptocurrency which just lost 70 percent of its value or in some cases recently a hundred percent of its value because i'm trying to make sure my dollars are not losing money that is not the way to go which is why you're going to get to speak to my guy today. So here's a couple things. I'm going to give you 3 tips to win in recessionary times. And here they are. Save, grow and invest. Save, grow and invest. Those are three things. Save. First of all, you need to save. We need to have reserves for our home. You do need to have some cash. Oh by the way, Mr. Buffett right now just saw a chart where he has the highest amount of cash he's had on hand in Berkshire Hathaway's history. One is for protection and the other is for Acceleration to go and invest. He's buying when other people are selling. So you need reserves for your home. And some people, you know, there's this famous phrase people say, I'm stuck between, I need to save money and you only live once. Right. And again, that's kind of the good life decision, I think. But if you only live once means you go on the vacation and you took the trip to Fiji and you did this and you did that and you don't have any reserves, you have just put yourself in a place where you are not recession proof. In fact, you've just opened yourself up to a coming recession that could bring catastrophic results. You must have reserves. Start with one month of your expenses for your home in a savings account that you don't touch and then go to two and then get to three and go from there. The second thing is if you own a business, you have to have reserves for your business. You got to have reserves for your business. Now, my personal preference was six months at home and three months for the business. Warren Buffett says, do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. I'm going to say that again. Do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. So just bottom line is simple, automatic withdrawal into your savings account from your checking. Do it every two weeks, whether you get a paycheck or not, whether you're self-employed or not, doesn't matter. Make that commitment. You make your mortgage payment every month, make the payment to yourself every month. And then the last part of saving is save money to invest. Save money to invest. And I'm going to quote Buffett again. I will tell you how to become rich. Close the doors. Be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And that's his abiding philosophy, which is why he has reserves right now for cash. They sold out of some of their weaker positions. They have a bunch of cash. And what has he been doing the last couple of months? He's been buying. As the stock market has retracted and come down, he's buying. And that's what I'm doing. I'm no Warren Buffett, but I'll tell you this, I do a lot of things he does. Uh, He's better at it than me. And so uh, I take his advice. So the first thing was save. The second thing is grow. And I'm going to share with you the first thing to grow in turbulent times is to grow yourself. Ben Franklin, America's first ever millionaire, said an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. When it comes to investing, nothing will pay off more than educating yourself. A self-education. What books are you reading? What coaching are you taking? What training programs are you involved in? What are you doing right now to grow yourself? What events are you going to? What are you doing to grow yourself? Next, grow your business. The great J.C. Penney, and he knew about tragedy. He'd filed bankruptcy twice. At 56, he started his department store and built one of the most prodigious businesses in American history. He said, growth is never by mere chance. It is the result of forces working together. So you got to grow your business. If you own a small business, let me say this. I doubt there's better investments out there that can get more than an 8.5% return. Why do we want an 8.5% return? Because that's the rate of inflation. Could you grow your business by 10% next year? Let me say this. If we couldn't help people grow their business in coaching by 10%, I wouldn't have any clients left. We help people grow by far more than 10% every year, by far. That means if someone's in real estate and they made 150 grand, the following year they're going to make 165 grand. They'd fire us for performance like that. We help people who are making 30000 go to three fifty in the space of three to four years. So grow yourself and then grow your business. And then lastly, you want to grow your net worth. Malcolm Forbes said, I made my money the old-fashioned way. I was very nice to a wealthy relative right before he died. So <laughs> I love it. Unless you have a very wealthy Forbes in your family, you're going to have to grow. And how do you grow your net worth? You got to invest. You got to invest. If you don't invest, you can't beat 8.5%. If you don't invest, there's a hole in the bucket. And so what I want to do right now is to talk about investments. We're going to talk to my guy. And my guy's name is Ben Stewart. And Ben and I know each other 25 years. Ben is the chief investment officer at Stewart Wealth Management. He manages over $300 million at Charles Schwab and has over 20 years of experience as a financial advisor and a portfolio manager. He was on a podcast with us uh, years ago. He's not only one of the best financial advisors I know, but he's also helped me with my personal investments. I have referred Ben to hundreds of my clients, and he has served hundreds of them and done a fantastic job. And I want to welcome him into the show. He's coming in from Northern California. Top of the morning to you, Ben Stewart. How are you doing?
1: Excellent, Brian. Thank you for having me on again. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, this is good stuff. I think maybe we could dive in here a little bit, because I really want people to understand they got to invest. They can't just stuff the mattress. They can't just be fearful. And so before we dive in there, let's talk a little bit about your background and a little bit of your investment philosophy, because it's a little bit different than what is out there on CNBC or Bloomberg every morning. So maybe we talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So I'm 22 years in the business, so I've been through multiple market cycles, and I've seen um, boom and bust cycles and real estate and, and stocks. And uh, from two thousand to two thousand and seven, I was at Wachovia Securities, where they teach you how to get going and sell portfolios that are managed by their analysts and so forth, and in individual stocks. And then I broke off and started doing my own thing in two thousand and seven with um, Stuart Wealth
0: Management. <laughs> Great timing.
1: Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I think I left when I was small enough to kind of go under the radar, and uh, and then obviously from the last you know fifteen years. I've built my own corporate culture with um, with good people. And I'm able to probably serve and advise on things that aren't just um, peddled by Wall Street. So it's been a good run.
0: And your mom and dad are great friends of me and Beverly. Your dad is in the real estate business for what, 30 some years, uh, maybe longer.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think I met you at a half day before I was even in the financial business. And then we ended up playing golf at the Olympic club. And you even encouraged me to get in the business. And I have been in coaching for 22 yeah, years. Yeah, well, it's worked for you and you kill
0: it and you're you're doing great and you you've helped me out enormously and you've helped out like I say a lot of our clients. Sure. I also love the fact that you come from the real estate perspective so you're not just a stock only guy. You you really have a holistic view to this and also being raised by self-employed people and and owning your own business. You work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business people. And they're different cats, you know, entrepreneurs are different cats when it comes to investing. We tend to be a little bit more short term and we kind of rise and fall with how our business is doing many times. So why don't you talk a little bit about your investment philosophy and and how you view growing people's
1: wealth? Sure. So I think it's evolved over time. And based on tax laws and certain things, it's it's changed. But there's three people that really inspired me. Um, John Bogle started Vanguard in 1974. And he, he kind of was the first guy to uh, introduce the low-cost index fund versus uh, stock picking and managed mutual funds. So he was his whole thing is low cost, low fees, uh, low tax, and high predictable outcomes for your money. So you know, back in 1974, when he first introduced the S and P 500 index, it had a one percent expense ratio. Right now, Vanguard and Schwab been been battling over the lowest fee, and now you can buy that for 0.03 percent expenses, which is almost Nothing. So, like you said earlier in in, um, one of your other podcasts about index funds and how well they've done, they're double digit returns over the last hundred years. Um, You can't guarantee a rate of return on any particular year. But um, anyway, Vanguard's really broadened in the industry has broadened into now you can take subsectors of um, different industries. So, if you thought I didn't want to own the SP 500, but I wanted to own a tech index or a cybersecurity index or an energy index or pharmaceuticals, whatever it may be, or even high dividends if you wanted to have something where um, it was more quantitative in what you're what you're trying to accomplish with passive income. Um, Vanguard and other firms, iShares, uh, Charles Schwab, they've introduced a lot of different index funds. So John Bogle was a big guy um, that... Came out with this um, and really changed the industry. So he was he's made a big um, impact. And and then obviously you know everyone with Warren Buffett, the contrarian of of buying when when people don't 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 want stocks, being contrarian and also playing the long game because you can get really caught up in the short game and what's the stock market going to do this week or next. Buffett's talking about um, you know what like what would the S and P be in ten years versus six months. That's what's important. Or what companies are you buying, and what's the actual value of that company compared to, um, you know uh, what it's trading out on the stock market today? So, you know, obviously Buffett had a big um, impact, and I've read a lot of his stuff. And then, and then, lastly, on the real estate side of things, my grandfather was a big impact on my philosophy for real estate. So he was, you know, you talked about Beverly earlier on the podcast where she's super comfortable with, with some something she understands like money in the bank. And you know my grandfather was super comfortable with owning real estate, and 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 real estate he can control. So he liked to buy rentals. He got to know his tenants. He was a handy guy that would go fix stuff and save some money there. And he had a ledger that he kept, and he uh, basically showed me that the way to how he retired was to have income. It was passive or, over and above his living expenses. And now his, his living expenses were, were extremely low and he didn't need a lot. And he, you probably undercharged his tenants, but that was his game. And he taught me that game. And I thought, wow, well, that's a amazing strategy. And then of course, as I uh, dove into it further, I realized that the best cheat in the tax code or the best hack in the tax code is depreciation where you can kick your, your can, your interest. Um, well, you, the, the money that you make can be deferred income until you sell. So uh, it's tax deferred income stream from real estate, which is which is really amazing. So that was his game.
0: He's a great story. like He's a classic American, yep. you know, rags to riches story, right? He's yep. an Italian immigrant. He comes here with nothing. Mm-hmm. He works in downtown San Francisco. What was his job? What was his main job?
1: You know, he had uh, various jobs, but I think he worked at a supermarket and he was a handyman for a little bit. And then when he was fixing up people's properties, he realized, um, maybe I should buy some properties and be the, the handyman for that. So, he he wasn't a high earner by any means. Yeah,
0: but he he when he passed, he was a multi multi millionaire.
1: Yeah, so there was some people in my family that have, um, benefited from that, and uh, I'm not one of them yet. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he gave you the information, Ben. You know, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's what that's a lot of people. A lot thing. of people, you know, they view it. The way to do well with money is to just make a bunch of it. And you and I both know a lot of people who make Mm -hmm. a bunch of money who have nothing to show for it. And your grandpa didn't make a bunch of money. Right. Lived through many recessions. And when he passed, he he passed with a legacy of his family, his relationships, his church, everything you want in a great man. And he was a multi, multi, multi multi-millionaire driving his little pickup truck around fixing people's faucets and doing whatever else. And also enjoyed the fact that he charged a little bit less on the rents. You know, because it was how he viewed life,
1: right? And by the way, he went in. He went in. I think he bought an apartment complex in down or in the marina of San Francisco about uh, four months after Pearl Harbor. So there's obviously a lot of worried people about what could happen and would San Francisco be bombed next? And what what? So he bought in tremendous uncertainty.
0: Yeah. Well, like that leads to the next question I have, which is yeah. we've all heard Warren Buffett quoting. You're right. Be fearful when others are greedy, and greedy when others are fearful. Sure, this can be easier to acknowledge and harder to do. One of the things mm-hmm. you talk about is the VIX. I'm going to ask your opinion on the sure. coming recession here in a second, but talk about this VIX because it's a bit more technical application of an actual study that shows how fearful people actually are.
1: Right. So there's a There's a thing called the VIX that actually is, has been oscillating between five and about 60, and it's been tracked since, um, the late eighties. So I went back and looked. In fact, I had a little project for my daughter who's on payroll. I I thought I'd make her earn her stripes, and she did some work for me over the summer. So she went back in history and said, you know, when were, when did the VIX spike over 35, which was signaling a high volatile period with tremendous fear in the market? Cause, the VIX measures volatility in the in the short term, and it also gauges the fear. So yeah. if it looked like if we would buy, it was the NASDAQ 100 or the S&P 500 in times where the VIX was over 35, you would have made money 24 months down the road, 95% of the times. Now, the time it didn't work was when you bought the NASDAQ, I think um, right after September 11th, it took a little bit longer. Um, or maybe it was 2000 it hit and then it took a little bit longer because of the dot com. But other than that, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty strong. Um,
0: 95% is a pretty good, right? Average. So but
1: that's the thing, but you're buying into fear uh, and normally that's a pullback, right? So I, in fact, I did two videos so far in the last three weeks because, you know, the, the S and P 500 was at 4,800. It went all the way down um, below four thousand. So we had a twenty percent pullback, and we did have a couple of days where the VIX hit thirty-five. I did a, you know, I have a database of four hundred people. They they get the video. It's um, it just says that if you have a longer term time horizon, was this a good time to add some more to the S and P or to the Nasdaq? So that was right about when
0: you advised me, we need to buy some more. In fact, the way we work is we have the cash on hand and you just go do it. And then you send me an email. Here's where we're going. Right.
1: It, I mean, it's smart to dollar cost average and and keep a, a systematic plan. And then if you have also, you want to layer on another strategy on top of that, like adding more from your safe bucket to your stock bucket in periods of time where there's high volatility, high fear, um, you know, that's that's generally a, a good idea. Great.
0: Well, there it is. The man with the VIX. Vicks. My mother used to use Vicks, but she put it on our chest when we were having congestion. Different kind of Vicks. Sure. So I'm talking about recessions, and I'm communicating that we're going to head for a recession. You yep. have your own opinions on the subject. What What do you think about the prospect of a coming recession here?
1: Sure. So, you know, first and foremost, our job our jobs when we're advisors is to focus on on building the arc and not trying to predict exactly when the rain hits. Right. So, but I do listen to a few people and the guy I really like, he has a team of economists and advisors. Um, they're, they're called First Trust and the guy's name is Brian Westbury and uh, he does a, a really good job. So he gives me three things. He gives me what he thinks the S&P is worth. He gives me um, what sectors he thinks will outperform um, or when they're good entry points and then he actually did predict that we will have a recession either late 2023 or 2024. So, he thinks that it's going to be, you know, stagflation here in in the short run which is uh, uh, you know, l- low to no growth and then higher inflation. And then, you know, the Fed just has so much power on on what they want to do. I mean, they can they can really throw us into a recession quickly by raising um, it, it's it's kind of in Jerome Powell's hands I always try to figure out what is what his deal is I mean I listened to him three years ago you know he was softer than melted butter in the way he spoke and now now he's talking tough so should we should we really believe that he's going to be tough on inflation when this guy's track record is is pretty is pretty weak so it, it's a tough it's a tough one to gauge but um uh, you know we, we've already seen the, the stock market pullback. it's normally a, a forward looking instrument and and when you're down um you know i think we're 18% today off the highs and and normally you know when you do have a recession i think the average rate of drawdown on the S&P is like 31 so can we go down another 10% from here sure could we um see that could we see the S&P that's at 4,390 today go to 10,000 in 10 years yeah absolutely so it really depends on your time horizon. And I think that the main thing when with recessions is you have to have a certain amount of money that you're playing um, for the long run to win, playing to win. And you have to have some money that you're playing not to lose. And that's for the short run.
0: Great. And, I, and again, I my gut says we're going to be in a recession mid-year 2023, which is great because it gives us lots of time to prepare, get our reserves up, get our cash up, get our money in the business as things start to siphon off our own customers and and see things happen in the marketplace, competition's going to drop, and real estate is the highest number of practitioners in its history, by far. A lot of those people are going to go away. Now, I don't desire to see that happen. It's just it's just life, right? It's, it's the law of the jungle. So we're going to see that. So we have some time to prepare and to really win. Let me ask you this. Right off the bat, you know, just a little bit of right across your chops here, Ben. What should people be putting into, if they want to recession-proof their money, what should they be putting their money in? And again, I know it's broad and everybody's situation is different and their age and their level of risk tolerance and where they're coming from, but just broad brushing, where's the three places they should have their cash?
1: Sure. So I think everyone needs to have you know, a system and what we do or what I tend to focus on when I interview people is um, you need to have a safe money strategy, you need to have a real estate strategy, and you ha- need to have a stock strategy. And then I ask them what that is and then how much are you putting into each bucket? So in fact, I just had this, this conversation with um, my daughter who I started investing some of her money in, and we went over what's been going on. And of course, this, what's working right now is funds or institutions that are buying tangible real estate in multifamily or, or single family. And in the last 10 years, institutions have had a huge increase in ownership of multifamily and single family. In fact, you—I've told you before. So Blackstone is a big company that owns. I think they own almost as much real estate as the Catholic Church. Now they're right there. They—they've been buying. I think they own. They have a fund that owns twenty thousand single-family homes. Um, it has five thousand apartment complexes in the U.S. That's obviously been doing really well in inflationary environments, right? So if you get into whether it's a smaller outfit or a bigger outfit like Blackstone or whatever it is. Um, In an inflationary environment, the best hedge against inflation is rents. So I've I've talked to a lot of different sponsors and syndicates that do this for a living. They said the same thing, which is right now, if someone moves out of an apartment complex, they're going to get a 15% raise because the demand is already there and you're going to get an increase right away. So that's what's working today. And um, I think that like I said before, the institutions buying more has put even the supply demand demand issues. Um, they, it's been even more difficult for for folks. I also think that multifamily apartments are very good in um, recessionary environments because people might put off buying a new home and they might rent for longer. So I think that's that's a good way to go. So right, so so that's what's working right now, and then I think it's uh, there's. Like I said, there's tax advantages to owning real estate and there's a lot of ways to, um, it doesn't move up and down as much as, as the stock market too. So then on the stock side of things, so bucket number two, what's the stock strategy? I really think that you know you stick to buying broad-based index funds in good times and bad. So the broad-based index funds would be the uh, small cap Vanguard, the mid cap Vanguard, S&P 500, and then the NASDAQ 100. So you're really you know buying those at a discount uh, for long-term money, but what's working right now is the dividend stocks, which were out of favor. So, so Vanguard's got an index that is more—it um, it measures the highest payouts. Schwab has one that is all about consistent dividend payouts, and then First Trust has one called Capital Strength, where they're buying stock—they're buying companies that have no debt. So those companies right now, when things slow down, are more attractive and working much better than the broader markets. So, so dividend-paying stocks, we call that value value stocks, and then, um, and then of course, safe money. Now we're getting in the in the third bucket, safe money. Uh, we're getting close to three percent now on on one year maturities, which is great. Money market's going to be probably two percent by the end of the year, which is um, a lot of it's in T bills, so it's it's mostly guaranteed. But if you step out of the guaranteed and get into you know commercial paper, we're starting to get at least something on your money that's that's fairly safe. So like I said before, I always just, when people come to me, I, I ask them what their strategy is. I take a look at their network statement. And I, I make recommendations. And if they want to work with me and it's a good fit, uh, that's great. If not, that's okay too. But I always give people a couple hours of my time and, and tell them the main thing is you got to figure out how much you want in each bucket. I always tell people that, well, this is when I, what I told my daughter the other day. So we, we go to, you know, Sun River, Oregon for um every summer and we've done several rafting trips. We've done a little float down the river. We've done like the class 2 rapids and we did one that was maybe class 3, it was a little faster. I said cuz I showed Cameron her statement and I said the stock strategies are your class 3 rapids. It's going to be a, a fun ride. A bumpy ride sometimes. going be a bumpy ride. <laughs> the water's moving fast, but you're going to get to your destination in in a, in a quicker way than the safe bucket strategy, which is the floating. That's like the floating down the river one where we, I took her when she was six, and yeah, we're drinking. River. We're drinking yeah. lemonade. I have a Coors Light. It's two and a half hour <laughs> float down the river, and there's no turbulence whatsoever. But you know, we're on the river all day, and we don't get to our destination quite as quite as fast. So I kind of showed her that uh, that analogy. I think she's starting to get it, but and I think everyone kind of could use that analogy where. You know, safe money strategy is going to get you a much um, smoother ride. It's just going to take a heck of a lot longer to get there. In the stock market, you really have to—you um, got to stay in the raft. You can't—you can't bounce when when the rapids come, and you got to get through.
0: You're helping all six of my kids. I mean, my kids have all worked since the age of dot, and they've all sure. put aside a little bit of cash and have moved it on, and and uh, they've done great because they've learned even as little crumb snatchers you can invest for the long haul and you know they get their schwab statements every month or quarter whatever they is they like to see the growth and and so on and so forth and if they stick sure. with it they'll all be millionaires and that's the wild thing about it i was talking with our production team before the last few episodes here and i was saying you know there's all these opinions you know politics and culture and so on and so forth money's just numbers it's just numbers and it's numbers connected mm-hmm. to a certain perspective mm-hmm. and if you have the long term perspective if you're willing to invest in value and you're willing to bounce along when it does get a little turbulent and it's like, okay, like if you know it's turbulent, like when the captain comes on and says, hey, we're going to hit some rough weather here, tighten up your seatbelt. Like that's all I'm trying to do with these podcasts. I'm not trying to scare people, but I'm trying to let them know, hey, recession proof your money, recession proof your business. There's one coming, there's turbulence coming. Sure, Just here, tighten the belt, tighten the belt with a budget, Uh, tighten the belt in regards to, you know, growing yourself and you know, growing your business and, and those kinds of things. And then, hey, there's chips off the table. And I like the safe strategy, the real estate strategy, the stock strategy. It's interesting, actually. So I'm going to teach recession-proof your business and finances in a kind of a really organic way at Mastermind. I was thinking, how many Masterminds have you been to? How, how long have you been coming to that?
1: I think I've missed uh, a couple of Masterminds and a couple of peaks in the last 20 years. And that yeah, it, it, it's normally because years. of kid, kid stuff.
0: Yeah. If you're describing Mastermind as somebody, what would you say?
1: I would say it's a series of amazing guest speakers and TED, it's like TED Talks that are extremely informative. And then you have a theme that you bring to the table, which is always timely. And, um, you, you are, you have observational humor that you bring that a lot of other teachers don't have. It's, you're like kind of a comedian, yet a teacher in the same way. Right, it all works, you know. It's and I and think that's what that's yep. what draws people is that if if people don't have any charisma on stage and they have good material, not as many people are going to come. So you you have you have. Um,
0: well, we have fun, and then we you package it together with thousands of like-minded people. It's it's a good package. The last thing here, Ben. I have two things. First of all, if someone wants to reach out to you, how do they contact you?
1: Our website is stewartwealthmgt.com. We have our phone number on there, and then my email as well. Um, and like I said before, what I normally do, and I've been doing it for people that are in, in coaching or what, in, or anyone that comes to me, I will gladly give people a couple hours of my time. And let, I want to know what their strategy is. And then sometimes I'm saying you're doing great. And sometimes I would say maybe this would work Where too. Where should
0: somebody start, Ben? Let's say somebody's just getting going and they think, I don't have all this money. Brian talked about $10 million in the bank. I, I'm, I'm lucky to have $1,000 in the bank or $100 in the bank. Where should sure. somebody start?
1: So there's two good books I like. So one of them is uh, a guy that you've had on podcasts and he's actually spoken at Mastermind a few years ago. But David Bach has the the, um, Automatic Millionaire. So automating your finances um, is like what we just talked about. If you have a three bucket system, you probably want to do some into a, a, a bank account, some into like getting a Charles Schwab account. And then some into like I would call it an opportunity account where you would save and eventually buy some real estate with that. Um, and he goes through that in that book. So it's a really good one to look at. I think you could even get this free summaries on bestbookbits.com. I'm a big fan of that one, where this this guy takes hundreds of books and a lot of finance financial books, puts gives you like a fifteen page cliff note. So you can read through a bunch of them. So I think that's where you start. You read The Automatic Millionaire, you can start implementing some of this stuff. And then the psychology is a big part of this, right? Psychology and behavior is, is almost 80% of it. I mean, Warren Buffett's the guy that says that, right? It's it's almost like your behavior is where, where it's at. So a good book um, by Morgan Household that's out, it's called The Psychology of Money. He just kind of tells people, this is how your brain's going to work in certain circumstances. And you have to understand the emotions that you got to understand the game you're playing, right? What game are you playing? And are you playing a short game, long game, whatever it is? But I really think those two books are are pretty solid. But you can go on, you can go on that website, and yeah, you can.
0: That's great. No, I, we've we've talked about this a lot over the years, and I think you've helped people. You've helped people start from fifty bucks all the way up to the tens of millions today. And what I love about you, Ben, is you you help them all the same. It's a testimony to you, and also a testimony to how you were raised and the great Stuart family. So Stuart Wealth MGT is how folks can get a hold of you. This has been super helpful. I've really never done an episode like this where I just kind of wanted to kind of roll up my sleeves, get into the nitty gritty. We're talking about specific funds and things like that. And I think it's been super helpful. And again, we want to help people recession-proof their money. At the end of the day, I don't think this is going to be the scariest thing in the world. It could be a great thing. And if people are prepared and they batten down the hatches and get ready, I think they can do great, and I think they'll end up looking back at this period of time and go, man, I made a lot of money during that time. I got my act together. I got my business growing. I saved money, and I invested, and I outstripped inflation. And over the long haul, like your grandpa, they look back on it, there's a lot of zeros at the end of the day. Well, thanks for joining me today, Ben. I appreciate it, as always. And uh, I'm going to finish up. You remember my mom, she came out with my dad years and years ago, and they played the Olympic Club, as uh, you're and your dad's guests. You remember that was a porn rainy day. And it was a great story <laughs> because we had caddies. I think you remember this story. We had, there's a famous caddy Freddy. at the Olympic Club who was in US Opens and so on and so forth. Yeah, Freddie, right? And he fell down. It was wet and he fell down a slope and was covered in mud. Here he was. And my mom, who always carried tissues in her bag, and she's wetting down the tissues and wiping them off and cleaning them up and the caddy said in 40 years a caddy and he never had anybody (laughs) treat him like that before so I remember that day she's uh, quite the character and she's going to finish off our podcast today one more time it's been great I think if people listen to this over and over again they can recession proof their money and do well and we're going to hand it off to that great golfer herself Therese Buffini she's going to finish us in style today take it away ma'am
1: may the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back May the
0: rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.